Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, we have a great episode for you today. I'm going to be chatting with Brian Solis about surviving digital distraction. This is a topic we have covered many times on the show. I think it is something that so very many of us struggle with, and Brian has literally written the book on this, so I'm excited to hear from him. Um, But I am with Sarah today. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. I'm excited to catch up with you. I know. We haven't really caught up in a couple of weeks. This is crazy. We have not. Well, how is your self-care going, Sarah? Um, <laughs> well, we've had a crazy week of really inclement weather here in OKC and basically our entire front. Sarah Escape landed in the street when it rolled off from flash flooding. Oh, so. gosh, Sarah, I saw that on Instagram. I mean, <laughs> like your, if, if people aren't familiar with landscaping, like the the um, paper, and it's not paper, but the liner was all exposed. Right. Yes. So like all the layers like, no. of brown cover and rocks and everything, and um, everything slid down our slope. It usually does well in the rain. It just, uh, we had like four inches of rain in an hour. Oh, my gosh. And it was just a disaster. So... Um, there's just been a lot of that going on this week, but the good news is, I mean, I am so ready for some self-care because I am going on a girls weekend this weekend. Oh, fun. Where and with who? Well, I am coming out to your neck of the woods, Newport Beach with my sister. Oh my gosh. How fun. We have not been on a girls trip we don't we can't remember. We've you know, we've gone on family trips with our families or our parents growing up, but we have not gone on a trip just the two of us ever. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago and she's like, Let's just make this happen. And we did. And we're going. And I'm so excited to like hang out with my sister and basically have no work to do, just have cocktails by the pool. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. So, so fun. I have never done that with my sisters either. And we've talked about it and just haven't oh. made it happen. I am so excited. You know, she travels a ton for her job. So Mm -hmm. she has lots of miles and, you know, she's like Little Miss Platinum, you know, hotel, whatever. She has all that stuff. So we actually um, got our room with her points and things. So we made it like a really inexpensive getaway by using a lot of her miles and points. And um, we literally, we have no plans but to just um, hang out. And oh my gosh! Chat and drink cocktails and maybe do a little shopping and um, I am so excited. So, so we we leave early Friday morning and um, I'm also very excited. Uh, not that I don't love my dog dearly, but um, I'm very excited um, that we're boarding our dog for the weekend because my we happened to make our plans without telling my husband. And then Oops. my husband, Dustin, was like, oh, yeah, you know, Malou and I are doing that camp thing this weekend. And I go, oh. So um, <laughs> good old Clem is going to be going to be boarded at a lovely little doggy residence. And I'm going to have three full days without taking care of a puppy. And I'm Oh, my gosh. That's really, so nice. 
really excited about that. Let me tell you. So, so nice. You know, I do a girl's weekend, a girl's getaway at the beginning of every year. And I truly feel like it is the best self-care I can give myself. Uh, Like it resets me in a way that nothing else does. I'm almost a little bit hesitant just because, you know, you and I are both threes. We're very into productivity. And I'm, I'm, it almost feels just weird to think, okay, usually when I come out that way to the West Coast, it's almost always for work. There's always oh, yeah. something going on. And, you know, I can find some time to like maybe do something good for myself. But this is literally no work at all. I'm not even bringing my computer, which is a very big thing for me. That's a big deal. And I'm just going to just gonna hang out. Oh, that'll I'm be so, excited. so good. That'll be so, so good. Uh, yeah. I'm really happy. I'm so glad that for is you. Um, self-care, thumbs up. Yes. What's Very going on with you? Up. Well, it's funny. I actually, I didn't go on a girls weekend, but I went to the Mom 2.0 Summit, which you've been to with me many times. Yes. It's a conference and I spoke, but um, two of the gals that I usually do my girls weekend with at the beginning of the year, Jen Hammaker and Jamie Wright. Um, I convinced them to come to the conference. <laughs> so oh, fun. we got some really good time together. So that was nice. That is always, you know, just rejuvenating with your wi- when you're with the people that you can just lay it all out with, you know? Yes. Um, yes, it's exactly. Very nice. And and I also saw many other dear friends at the conference. So that was that was nice. And I didn't um, I really didn't work too much on that. I good. did my speaking the first day in the morning and then I just kind of chilled. <laughs> Okay, so that's always the best when you're speaking at the front end of a conference. You just get it out of the way, and then you can relax and not worry about it. Yes. Love it. Love it. And I did. And I came home. Like, normally I go to conferences, and I, you know, I I kind of, I'm I'm there to speak with brands and network, and I I just didn't do that this time, and I came home less tired than ever. (laughs) Oh, good. So it was rejuvenating. It was really rejuvenating. Yes. Oh, I was. And then it's funny, my um, my boyfriend, as as I came home, was flying out and he's spending the week in Montana fly fishing with a bunch of other guys. So he's having a self-care week as well. And it's just I I I guess the entire trip is built around he's not even a he's never fished before. But it's just all about like taking these boats down this gorgeous river in Montana through mountains. And then they sit around a fire pit at night and smoke cigars and drink whiskey. And that's his love language, you know, so. Oh, he's going to be so happy and so like filled up when he gets home. Montana is beautiful and the fishing there is incredible. Yeah. He's a little, you know, he could take it or leave it on the fishing, but you know, he's an Enneagram too. So he's, he's, um, loving the, (laughs) The man time. <laughs> yeah. Man time. Man time. Um, but yeah, I um, I have some good news. So I oh. did um, my follow-up breast ultrasound. So if you, if you remember, I did one. Well, I did it. It was nine months ago. I was supposed right. to have it scheduled and do a follow-up in six months. And it took me a little longer than that to get back in for the follow-up, which was not good self-care. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. But it's classic. It's like I – so in June of last year, I went and got a mammogram. That was flagged. And then I had to go have a follow-up ultrasound, and that was flagged-ish. So I had cysts. They didn't think they looked like anything, but they wanted to follow them up in six months. 
Right. I put it on my calendar like a good girl, um, but it hit right in the middle of December, that six months, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, in the middle of December, I'm like, Christmas, everything. Oh, I'll yes. push it off till January. Then I push it off till January. And then it's like, then you find out that, oh, wait, I need um, a referral. I can't just go straight, even though they right. told me to. <laughs> exactly. Then they refer me to a different place. So then I have to go to the other place and get records, yada, yada, yada. It took me a couple months to actually get the follow up. And that I did not feel great about that. Yeah, I, you yeah, know. but it was like really. Those are some tough months to get through with Christmas and I then know. the New Year and stuff. And you know, and like you just said, it's not just like as easy as making a phone call and showing up the next day. You're having to like go through right. all, jump through all the hoops to get it done. But you and had it this done. was all in the midst of me writing a book, also right, like, writing the book, all of that, exactly, exactly. But so I, I went and got it done. You know, I have health anxiety. I have, you know, mm-hmm. what many people might call hypochondriasis. Um, and and it is very spiked around this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was gearing up for what happened to me last time, which was I go in, they do the ultrasound of my breast, they like make vague references to counting and size out loud, <laughs> right. but then they right. tell me nothing. And then I get right. to go home and stress out about what they found until a doctor finally calls me like a week later. Right. That was a procedure previously. Well, I went to a new place. And it was night and day difference for someone like myself. So they came in. They were very friendly. First of all, she looks at my chart and she's like, these are small. I don't even know why we're doing this. Oh, that's always a great thing. Which I'm like, I love you. I'll kiss you on the mouth. I, <laughs> right, you are right, my right, hero. Right. So she does it. And, you know, and then this girl, as opposed to the previous one, which is where I think you know, people who are in healthcare could do so much to help us. You know, she was just chatting the whole time. Okay. Yeah. The cyst that was biggest last time isn't even there anymore. And here's a little one, but you have very dense breasts and blah, blah, blah. Like explaining the thing to me, novel concept. And then before I left, a doctor came in, read the results and explained it all to me before I left. Yes. Which is the way it should be. Right. Yeah, it's funny. That's how it is at my breast care center. I know. You know, I, I go all the time. I mean, we'll we'll do the ult- we'll do the ultrasound, we'll do the mammogram, then the ultrasound, then an aspiration if I need it, right. and the, yeah, the radiologist comes into the room and tells me what's going on. So like it's all. And I was just talking to a friend of mine who just you know had same thing as you. Mammogram was flagged. Did the first ultrasound. That ultrasound was flagged. So they want to do a, what they call a hotspot ultrasound. And she's having to wait two weeks to get that ultrasound. Whereas it's the place I go cool. to, they would have done it all in one day. They just right. get it done. You know, they're ready to go. Yeah, uh, and I don't, I don't know why that there's a real difference in standard of care from place to place. And I don't yeah. know. For me, it's like now that I know that this is a possibility. I always want to ask for that. Like, I want to be sent to the place that tells me my results immediately because yes, when I'm in that week wait, I mean, I'm like planning funerals and oh, totally making videos for my kids' weddings. I mean, I, that week <laughs> wait is so bad for my mental health. Oh, it's the worst. I and know I walked, if people could just get with this program. I know. I walked to my car just so stunned because I had no idea that I would just, you know, walk away with the results. And I was just right. like, oh, my gosh, my week, like my week Yay. just opened up in front of me. I thought this was going to be yes. a horrible, weird, anxious waiting week. And 
It was nothing. Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy too. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, in my, I've got boob news actually. Oh, um, you know how I had the really big cysts. Uh, yes. They had to be. They all had to be aspirated right. in January, and I went down the rabbit hole. I thought for sure I had inflammatory breast cancer this time because they were very different, and I had them drained, and everything was great. <laughs> Just last week, I'm getting in the shower, and I'm like, what is that? My other breast on the inside has three huge ones that are making uh. it look disfigured. I am like, number one, how can these things pop up so quickly? It's just, I mean, it's literally like one day my boob is nice and smooth. And then the right. next day it looks like there's marbles in it. Well, so, first of all, though, uh, doesn't if it pops up that quickly, isn't that actually a very good indication it's not oh, yeah. cancer? Right. Oh, yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, like and something I, yeah, that and pops it, out of nowhere is not cancer. Oh, yeah. And you can just tell. I mean, cysts, you can move around. Like right. you can palpitate them. They're right. not hard. Um, you know, they're filled with fluid. Right. So these, I mean, these aren't making me nervous. They're just making me annoyed because right. it's actually on the inside, the inside upper part. And for instance, I'm going on this girls weekend. I'll be wearing a bikini and that part is exposed with my bikini because it's just like the very top mm-hmm. inner part. And it's just like marbles. And <sighs> So now I'm sitting here thinking when I think my next mammogram is this summer and I'm going to try to just hold out and do it all in one day again. But it's just annoying. I mean, it used to be like a couple of years one would pop up and now I can't even go three months and I'm getting like the big ones everywhere. So oh, that's really frustrating, Sarah. It's super frustrating. But someone I've been told by several people that taking evening primrose oil is very helpful for lots of reasons. It's great for your hormone balance, but it's supposed to be helpful with, you know, regulating the hormones because like the erratic hormones are what are really causing these, you know, these cysts to fill. Um, and of course, I bought it. And have I taken one? No. So I've I've made a point to myself that like starting this week, I am taking that every day for a month to see if maybe it can help like at least slow the filling of these cysts. Right. Because I just, when I got my bill for my last aspiration, you know, my mammograms are covered, but the aspiration was not covered. And oh, really? It was, Why would no. that not be covered? It's very strange because... Um, Mine usually is. Well, my my health care, my health insurance changed this year and is basically horrible. And um, they just didn't cover it. It was kind of great that the place I went to ended up giving me a discount rate, but it was still almost $1,000 to have the cis aspirated. Oh, that's like, so oh. frustrating. So that's another reason I don't want to go because right. I just, I, I'm like, sorry, babe, I got to have another $1,000 <sighs> to take these marbles out of my boob. Nobody it's just, wants to pay for that. That's not a fun thing to pay that. for. I want to pay for a trip, mm-hmm. <laughs> not my boobs being deflated. But right? anyway, so yeah, I mean, this is just, I feel like this is going to be a constant in our conversation going forward um, on this podcast is just the hormones and what it's doing to our boobs. Oh gosh, I know. <laughs> well, I want to say this too. We had, you know, we've had different people in our, in our um, selfie Facebook group, which you should all join if you are not a part of. It's a fantastic place to discuss these issues. But, you know, we've had women come in um, freaked out about a flagged mammogram. And I think mm-hmm. a little PSA that Sarah and I would want to give is number one, do your mammograms. Yes. But number two, Many of us get flagged and and it's many most of the time, not anything. So if you go and you get your mammogram and you get flagged, don't freak out. Do not freak out and also head over to the community and just there's a little search bar 
in the side on the side of that page and you can put in, you know, mammogram yes. or breast cysts and it will pull up all of the conversations yes. that have happened in the past because lots of people, people pop on. Obviously, people don't see everything we talk about over there. And so they say, oh my gosh, this just happened. So if you want to make yourself feel better, I would recommend doing that because there, there's been many, many discussions that have gone on about the exact same thing about mammograms being flagged and there's a lot of good advice in there. Well, and I, I mean, it's a great place just to kind of check up on symptoms. Like I have been having, I mean, I've talked about this before, but my ovulation pain has just really ramped Ugh. up in the last year. And I was like, well, I guess I have ovarian cancer, you know, and then it's like, I go <laughs> right. into the group and I say like, hey, this is happening to me at this age. And it's like, you know, 20 people are like, yep, you know, yep. so it exactly. can be a nice place to like get a little bit of a reality check. Not that we're doctors. You still want to do those right. things. But we you are can not keep the anxiety spiral in check. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um. So, ooh, two thumbs up. I haven't done this in a while. I know. I want to hear what you got. I'm so excited. I have two sun-related products since we are heading into the warmer weather. The mm -hmm. first one is a new facial sunscreen that I found that is so good. It's okay, by talk Kim to me. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you right now, you will buy this and you're going to love it. So it's by Kimberly Sayer. I think she's based in England. She does this ultralight facial moisturizer, SPF 30. It is so light. I think it says it's for combo to oily skin. Mm -hmm. I do not have combo to oily. I just have kind of like normal skin, maybe like a tad bit dry. It is is so amazing. It just soaks right into your skin. There is no white. There is no greasy. Um, now, I've talked about Kula in the past for people with oily skin. And that one I feel like is almost like – it almost feels dry. This doesn't. This definitely feels like a moisturizer. Um, it has the slightest citrus scent, which you know mm. me. I'm just all about the citrus all the time. Um completely natural, 84% organic ingredients. Um, you know, it just uses that nanotechnology. I love it. I've had a lot and this is my new favorite. It's really actually well-priced. It comes like in a, it's actually a really tall bottle and it's $33. And I'm trying to see right now how, how big it is. It's four ounces, but That's I mean, nice. I, I, when you I can travel with that. Yeah, and I, I see this lasting for sure the entire summer because right. I really just need like a pump and a half yeah. for my entire face. And it's just your makeup goes on perfect. It's super lightweight. It's awesome. Okay, I Love want to it. try that. And I need to get that for my kids too. You know, it's funny. We were in Florida a couple weeks ago and I didn't bring any sunscreen because I didn't have any that were the right size, you know, for travel. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. crap. Well, I'll bar borrow from my sister's whatever. And my sister had this Neutrogena face stick. And yeah. my, both of my girls put it on and were like, it's burning. Oh, no. Oh, so, no. you know, the face and sunscreen is tricky. It is. Now, this one, you know, of course, it's zinc oxide and titanium right. dioxide together. But like, it, I do not think it's waterproof. I don't think it's like a go to a yeah. beach. This is like something you put on your face every day in the summer just to go out and about. Right. A daily, I, I would, not a beach. I, 
Right. I wear it to like when I go to the pool, um, but I reapply and I don't usually ever get in the pool. I'm usually just kind of like, you know, (laughs) hanging out by the pool, not in the pool. Totally. So it's fantastic. I I think that there's like four or five that I like in the green beauty, but this one just blows me away. It's been so good. So I highly recommend that. And then my other two thumbs up is for a really good bronzer that I've, I've been using it for years. And I know a lot of people have trouble finding a pressed bronzer that's the right color that doesn't go orange mm-hmm. on their face and look like, you know, Oompa Loompa, Donald totally. Trumpish. Um, this is Lily Lolo Bronzer. It comes in three colors, but the color I use is called Honolulu. And it's really like brown, like like almost like a not a ruddy brown. It's not a reddish brown, but there's just not that kind of yellow orange pull to it. Um, and it looks it looks so nice on the skin. I think if you were to look at it in the pan, you would think, oh my gosh, this is way too dark for me. But I have, you know, light, my skin is light, like maybe light to medium when um, summer rolls around. It's not too dark. It works beautifully as a contour. If you just want to put a little bit, you know, underneath your cheekbone to kind of create that defined look, doesn't have any shimmer in it, no sparkle. Mm-hmm, it's almost mm-hmm. matte. And it's also really good if you have a face that's a little bit darker than your neck. Like my face and my chest are the same color, but my neck is like snow white. I mean, oh, it's totally. so white. So it's a really good color too, just to kind of brush over the neck to just make everything look more uniform. And of course, it's green. It's made of great ingredients. I love it. But it's the Honolulu is the color because they have three. The other two, I think, go a little bit pale or orange, but the Honolulu is so pretty. Okay, I think I need to try this. You know, I never wear blush or bronzer. I know, you don't. I don't know know why. I just don't think of it. Well, I think you'd really like this. I think you'd love to put it just like a little bit where the sun hits the face. Oh, totally. I mean, and actually, to be honest, believe it or not, it looks really good as an eyeshadow. Oh, I'm sure. And with your blue eyes, it would make your the blue of your eyes just pop. And it just kind of creates a little depth on the lid. So your eyes look more open, but it's not anything that's like really obvious. You right. know, it's it's perfect for it's perfect for these warmer weather days when you're like maybe just putting on like lip gloss, mascara, maybe a little bit of bronzer or whatever. Totally. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. I need to try this. What about you? All right. Well, first of all, Um, My number one self-care recommendation is everyone needs to go watch Brene Brown's Netflix special. (gasps) I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so good. So good. And we know what? Watch it with your kids. It's so good. I mean, you know, Brene Brown's message is, you know, it's so empowering. And yeah, it's really, really good. It's on Netflix. Um, I actually got to hear her speak at Mom 2. a couple weeks ago, but yeah, she's fantastic. So I highly recommend it. And, you know, especially if her books are so incredible, of course, but you know, it can be a little harder to read a book. It's just so easy to like turn on a special on TV, you know? Exactly. Yes. Like one and done. Yeah. It just, I think it makes it easy, but it's a great message. Really, really good for kids too. Um, My second is, okay. I've talked about Clever Made. Clever Made makes these fabric snapping collapsible baskets and I use mm-hmm. them for my groceries. I they're the best. They fold yes. down into flat and then you like just push your fingers down and it snaps into a bag and it's a big bag and it's a structured bag. Like like an old school 
you know, square tote and you can fit a ton of groceries in it. So I love it for my grocery bags. But I recently found on Amazon, they were having a sale on their laundry bag, which is even bigger. So it's almost like, I mean, I want to say it's like three feet tall. Oh, wow. And it's the same thing. It collapses all the way down and then it pops up into this awesome hamper. But I use it now for everything. And I've bought three of them now. So I actually do use it as a hamper in my closet. Um, I have one that is the back and forth bag for Mm -hmm. my house and my exes because my kids, we, you know, they go over there two nights a week Mm -hmm. and they are constantly putting their crap to go over to his house into random assorted backpacks that don't get unpacked that, you know, a random tote bag. And so now we have one of these caddies or hampers or whatever, and that is the go back and forth, and they put the things in that. It can hold so much stuff, and then they bring it back. It's just it's just a nice big thing that you can put a lot of things in, if that makes sense, you know? No, totally. Is it is it easy to carry around? Yes, because it has handles. Okay. See, because my kids, I'm still looking for a hamper to put into their closets that I can carry, you know, all the way down to our basement where the laundry room is. I'm telling you, this and, is what you want. Okay. Because it's fabric. We, see, some the ones we have sometimes are a little bit too wide and we have like these, you know, narrow, these really old narrow doors. I'm like bumping into stuff all uh-huh. the time. I'm like, maybe this would be perfect because it's fabric. Well, it's, it is, but it's more like vinyl. Yeah. And but it's still, it's, it's still malleable. Like it it's is malleable not, like, and it's plastic. tall and skinny. It's tall and skinny. Okay. I, I'm going to, I, you just sold me because I have been having so many problems because I just have like, you know, your typical white, hard plastic ones from Target. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I and, love this okay. thing. Like if I'm going to Goodwill, I'll fill all full all the, you know, clothing that I'm taking to Goodwill in that. If I actually just um, took a bunch of books to a book resale store, it's just, it's good for when you have to take a lot of things in something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then it folds down, you know, it folds yeah. down into just like flat, a little bit bigger than the size of a coffee table book. Perfect. Love. Not sold. Yeah. And buy those, two of those. Hey guys, I'm here with Brian Solace, and we are going to be talking about digital distraction, which is a topic that we have discussed many times on Selfie because I know um, a lot of our listeners, myself included, really struggle with this. And Brian has literally written the book on <laughs> digital distraction. So Brian, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's uh, honestly my pleasure. I, I'm i in f- new territory here. I'm out of my comfort zone. This is my eighth book, but my first ever personal book. And I'm just excited to have uh, an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk about what what is digital distraction? How do you define that, first of all? So in case people aren't sure what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I, do you, b- believe it or not, it is. It was one of those things that was really difficult to kind of get get your arms around um, because I think we all understand what it is, right? So anytime we get a notification or a text or just the urge to check our phones or social media, uh, or even if it's just a a conversation where somebody walks up to your desk, I mean, all those things are distractions, right? And then, of course, the more tools that we use to work and to communicate and to stay connected, the more we open ourselves to new types of distractions. Uh, And they all, especially on the digital side of things, tend to affect us uh, uniquely, but also collectively uh, in in all kinds of forms I'm sure we'll get to. But ultimately, a distraction is anything that takes you away from a moment where you are either focused 
or working or happy or just alive uh, and pulled into a different direction uh, suddenly, either intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, absolutely. I know for a lot of us, um, it feels like the biggest digital distraction is the smallest one, and that's our phones. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about it, uh, our phones and the apps that we use uh, on those on those devices, and then also things like, uh, you know, gaming, uh, really, uh, email too. Uh, any 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 form of of digital that requires us to invest any kind of attention in it is going to open ourselves up to distraction. Yeah, I know. Um, one of the things that we've talked about before is how you know when you're getting notifications um, of email on your phone, of texts on your phone, of DMs on your phone, it creates this sort of urgency in life that really wasn't there. 20 years ago, where, you know, we're all accessible all the time. And people expect if they send us a text to get one back pretty quickly. And even email, you know, it it's it's a new kind of accessibility that I think takes a real toll on our well-being. At the very least, on our well-being, it's definitely, it affects every part of us. And, and it's hard to even realize it uh, in that you know, like you were saying, it, it gives us this sense of busyness. It increases, it accelerates our bodies and our brains to sort of keep up with all these things. It lures us into multitasking, which is expending all kinds of neurochemical switches every time we do that. Uh, the 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 chemicals that we release in our body every time we check that notification or or to see if we have any new notifications. Uh, these things are rewiring our bodies, but yeah. also m- mimicking, not unlike a lot of the. The, the things you hear about in terms of, I don't know, obituates or alcohol or That's uh, right. op- yeah. opioids. Right, exactly. And so all of these things, we're, no one gave us the instruction manual for this. And a lot of healthcare providers or, or therapists in general uh, or medical professionals haven't really deeply researched the effects of all of these things. But they, I, I will say this, is that it's by design. All of these things are doing this to us by design, and we weren't given the benefit or the education or even the choice, really, to say, hey, that's not okay or that is okay. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it kind of reminds me a bit of, you know, a hundred years ago when everyone was smoking cigarettes and no one really understood that this was bad for them and it was just a thing that everybody did. And then because there wasn't the benefit of time and research, and I feel like we're kind of on the front of this, we're kind of the guinea pigs of like, what is all of this going to do to our brains? But you're absolutely right. There are so many kind of mechanisms in when we scroll and when we look for things and when we get that little bump of a notification um, that really do mimic the adrenaline and the serotonin rush of using a substance. You know, it, it really is highly addictive. Yeah, it's it is designed to be. Well, it's definitely designed to be engaged. <laughs> you know, I don't know that. It's designed that, to keep you on, to keep exactly. the user on. That's that's absolutely true. <laughs> and the word, and the word, I think the irony of the word user, which is uh, so apropos, uh, in that we 
so if you think about what these these services trade on, it's 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 attention, right? Last year, Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, was asked what was Netflix's biggest competitor, and he quipped, "Sleep," uh, and that is because wow, yeah, exactly. And, and if you look at any if you look at any of these services, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, Fortnite, they're they're all trading on the same commodity, which is our attention. So the more of that attention they have of ours, the more that they can. That's that's their revenue model, and now. Yeah, these companies are so big that they have, they have shareholders, they have stakeholders, they have to. That's right. Deliver returns on an investment, and so unfortunately, we're not just the guinea pigs; we're the commodity that's that's bought that's right. and sold. And our attention, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Our attention is the commodity, and you are so right. At the end of the day, just about every app we are using, um, you, you know, is there to make money first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. We and because it's normal, as you said earlier, we we derive value from it as well. And I think the challenge that I went through was because it was normal, and because it was where we all place our value. That we were trading not only our attention, but also uh, our very beings, uh, our very aspirations, our our every experience were becoming the a form of currency that we were we were trading online. In in if we got that hit of dopamine or any of the five other chemicals that are rushing through our bodies in any one instance that was that was our validation that was our meaning that was that was our popularity uh, or validation whatever it was we were changing that for something else and i think that we place too great of a value on those sensations when in fact the ultimate cost like cigarettes that we're not talking about and a lot of research is just now starting to breach the surface is what this does to us over the long term so in, at, a, at a very high level you know in my case I was trying to write a different book uh, and I couldn't get past the proposal stage it had been a few years in between books but I I'd always use technology every single day. I'm I'm actually responsible for launching a lot of this stuff going back all the way to the the late 90s. Hmm. Uh, and I've and my day job is studying the impacts of this stuff on business and markets and then ultimately on societies and to find myself absolutely disrupted by the same technology that I helped launch and also helped study was I, I mean ironic is <laughs> it doesn't even capture it. Uh, and what I had noticed and I spent a year going through a personal, a very deeply personal research project uh, where I was my own case study was to understand what was happening because I was noticing these types of patterns, not just in my writing, uh, but any form of depth. So whether that was uh, research or reading or even things like, I don't know, my marriage or parenthood or friendships, there were consistencies across the board where I just wasn't present or deep or my or fully myself or allowing yeah. myself to be happy with any one of those things unless I was absolutely connected and there, there was yeah. a gentleman by the name of Tristan Harris who was one of the whistleblowers for a lot of the what's called persuasive design techniques that go in into these apps and, and services and and devices and you know just real quick to sum up there he 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 shares all of these design secrets. He's got a, an organization that he founded called the Center the Center for Humanity, where they reveal to to what extent they, that these tricks are used to to get or evoke certain types of behaviors. But over time, what nobody was really studying not even not even the the designers or the architects themselves were what what does that 
what kind of toll does that take? What are right. the effects on us? Yeah, and you know, the the hard part of that, as as you said, is those companies are probably not going to be doing that research. So therefore, we have to figure out who is, you know, who who is going to do this research on how this is changing us. I did, by design, this type of research. And after I, I spent a year uncovering the techniques and then also starting to study the effects i'll give you i'll give you a, a little intro to to one of the research projects that blew my mind which was studying the effects of instagram snapchat facetune on a woman's definition of beauty yeah. uh, and, and how that affected her self-esteem mm-hmm. and her self-confidence and her daily rituals uh, and her friendships and relationships. And I'll tell you that I, I interviewed for a year women age 6 to 61, and it was just mind-blowing at how little is understood by users every single time that they pick up the device, every single time they take a picture of themselves and share it online, any time that they take themselves out of a moment or experience to share their best life with with someone else, that those things create a treadmill. And both production, you know, creation-wise, like how much are you going to share versus how much you're going to consume, and then how do you really feel each time and at the end of the day after being on this treadmill and you know look it's no surprise why depression is on the rise and why unhappiness is pervasive and why we're placing value in all of the wrong things and not even realizing it every single day absolutely and and you're you're right depression is on the rise particularly a young among younger people um and you can really trace it back to the onset of social media. And it it makes total sense when you think about it. Because as you're saying, you know, kids are getting wrapped up in the likes. They're also following um, people whose lives are not attainable or even realistic. You know, these Instagram accounts are so aspirational. They're, they're facetuned and they're, you know, it's the highlight reel um, of someone else's life. So there's so much FOMO and so much, um, self-esteem stuff coming out from from kids spending a lot of time on Instagram it's it's really disheartening and it's also uh, it's also unhealthy at, at every at every level right so yeah. some of the impacts of aren't just even depression but now it starts to play out into other aspects of, of your life right so your it, it affects your memory it affects your output quality it makes you more mistake prone it causes stress creates anxiety lowers your IQ diminishes creativity it's it damages your brain uh, it, it it actually opens yourself to more distractibility uh, and the, the crazy thing about all of this stuff is that it co- it's compounding. Uh, so we're speeding up to compensate. Uh, we're we're right. using more and more neuro switching to kind of keep up with stuff. And uh, you make the problem hmm. worse and worse and worse. And, you know, this, you get somebody like me that, you know, I, I think I'm blessed in the sense that all, all, all I had, all it took for me to realize that I had a problem was to lose a book deal. I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine how I'm still married and and how I still have a job and how uh, you know I still have friendships and all but I'm pretty sure that it's because because everybody's sort of struggling with the same uh, you know, the same unsaid things the same yeah. the same quiet issues is that we're yeah. sort of coping with one another I think you're right I mean I think this has become so completely normalized and it's so pervasive that you know 
our partners, our friends aren't noticing our own screen addictions because they're grappling with their own. They're not paying attention. They're on their phone too. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the other, the other thing that is really startling to me is that when, when you're this distracted uh, and we get caught up in just multitasking or just being busy as, as mainstream and then seeking those quick hits of validation or popularity or, or just, you know, quote unquote love uh, in those moments uh, to kind of get us through. It's, it's hard to see, it's hard to see the problem, right? Also, it's hard to see the problem when every, every aspect about it, how we communicate and connect with one another is, you know, we have access to filters. Everything looks so amazing. We get instant mm-hmm. feedback from people so that it's 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 real time. And so we, we sort of perpetually on this treadmill where we we don't even allow ourselves to breathe or even take stock of what 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 we feel and, and what we really want to feel, right? And so right. I think deep down in there and this is this was a real big thing for me, is that I I wasn't happy when I really started to, to examine my life. I had the semblances of happiness. I had the mm-hmm. this the stuff that should show I should be happy, but I I was describing to the wrong things because it was what everybody else was describing, and that's when I realized, wow, you know, we're operating in this crazy, crazy society where we have access to technology and people and information and things that no one, no generation before us has ever had to deal with this. None of this came right. with an instruction manual. Our right. parents didn't prep us for this. And yet here we are operating on the standards of life that were handed to us by our parents and their parents and so on, that this is what happiness is. This is what success is. This is what life is supposed to be. You're supposed to do these things, get these things, and therefore this is what your milestone should look like. And then boom, trying to live that life getting tastes of these new lives and trying to balance it all. It's actually chaotic. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it's not, it's not worse than it is, but at the end of the day, we needed a new life manual. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what I set out to write was to figure out, well, what does happiness look like today? What, what should success look like today? And how I'm not going to get rid of technology in my life because right. I, I, I need it. So how am I going to get in control and unlock creativity and happiness in ways that, allow me to live my life and and i was joking in along the way where i said what if fomo actually just finally meant finally over missing out and letting me live my best life in a way that Mm. i take control of everything Mm -hmm. that's good yeah you know it's it's so difficult because i think like we said, it's it's so pervasive and it I don't think any of us have set out, I don't think any of us have an intention of wasting away hours of our day or quality time with others or using, you know, a phone or a screen as a, a coping mechanism. I don't think any of us have set out to do that. And I think most of us are actually uncomfortable with that idea. And yet, you know, I do find myself at the end of the day realizing, like, I spent an hour of this day mindlessly scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, and I didn't do the things that I feel are life affirming, that I feel are, you know, I didn't take a walk, I didn't, um, you know, connect, really connect with my kids. Um, so I, th- I think there's a real difficulty in we, many of us know what we want, but we're struggling with the impulse control of that screen addiction. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I was found myself nodding my head the whole time you're talking. It's, 
it's because it's it, it it wasn't it wasn't that we lost our ability to focus or or, or to invest in the things that that were going to make us better uh, or happier. It's that it was programmed out of us, so it wasn't even it wasn't even a choice. And the more the more we teach ourselves that this is the way to live, the more that this becomes normal, the more it is normal, right? I mean, the fact is is that the average person spends around four hours a day on their device, and that yeah that that time. Is it comes at an opportunity cost. It sure you could, does. You could sure be doing something else. Yep. You could you could be investing in the things that are actually going to make you truly happy or, or helping you achieve your goals. Uh, but in in the same sense, the distractions are actually adding up to distracting our own life course. And it's hard to realize it because it's so fast, it's so sudden, it's all over the place. Plus, mm-hmm. we're we're seeing and connecting with people, so we get. We're getting the feeling that that we're actually living when, in fact, we're not. And so I started yeah. to take stock every single day of how much time I was spending away from the things that I was doing and tallying it up. I started to keep a scorecard. Wow! Uh, if every time I said I would take my my girls out for a walk or on their bikes or when we'd go to that park or you know later, eventually became never. And it's it's right here on 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 a piece of paper that shows me exactly why those things aren't happening. So tell I want to I want to hear more about that. I mean, did you just did you write it down in a journal? Did you just force yourself to write that down every day? Yeah, this was part of that self discovery process. You know, actually, mm-hmm. when you go when you go through a self awareness process, uh, it's it's touted as actually being a very healthy exercise to go through. But it turns out, without the right tools or the right perspective, you you, you only dig yourself deeper, um, uh, or you don't necessarily dig yourself out in in the much. In, in the healthiest, productive way possible. So I, I had to start just recognizing what my bad habits were uh, and then logically trying to assemble them back into places. Uh, why why wasn't my creativity what it was? Why wasn't my happiness what it was? Why wasn't I a better father? Why wasn't I a better husband? Why wasn't mm-hmm. I a better friend? And so you could start to see that I, I was not making any investments on those fronts, you know, so I had these, these pie, I actually used a spreadsheet and then I, I realized that I wanted to turn it into a journal. I used it in, in a, in a way that you know, would, would help me make decisions about how I was going to spend my day and how, I, what tools did I need to be able to, to accomplish the things I needed in certain time frames, Right. And so all of these things eventually became life scale, which was, um, mm-hmm. which was the book I ended up having to write. Mm-hmm. Without intentionally setting out to write it, was because I realized that there was no, there was no, there were, there were no tools. There was no instruction manuals of how to fix this. Uh, there was a lot of stuff like, you know, get Headspace or get, yep. um, get the Calm app, uh, meditate, yep. practice yoga, <laughs> yep. go for walks, uh, go to Burning Man, uh, you, you try yoga, uh, all, all these things uh, that are very effective. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and wonderful, but they, they they're they're not addressing the source of the problem. They're 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 addressing the symptoms, so we'll feel better uh, until we need to do those things again. And I realized that I needed what was I doing in between the time that I was trying <laughs> trying to meditate or or mm-hmm. or trying trying to focus. Uh, and that's that's when I realized is that th- this to get those answers, I had to go do the work because it didn't exist. And to do that work, I I tried everything. I, there's a lot of things that didn't work. There's some things that did work, you know, okay. There's some things that were amazing. And I just started putting all those things together into a journey that I could use to get my life back and then, and then take it further. Where else, what else could I, now, now that I know what I know, 
what else can I do? Uh, and that's that that became all of the the steps in in what ultimately was the life scale journey. I felt like if I had this problem, maybe other people had this problem, and maybe other people were looking for a solution too. I I kind of love that meta story of this book's genesis that it you know that it wasn't the book you set out to write and that in the journey of figuring out why you didn't write the book you set out to write this sort of you know I I, I love that it this was a real personal journey for you and um you know that this was written out of out of your own foibles and I I, I love that about your book oh thank you thank you I mean uh, you know it's I don't, one of the challenges and also the opportunities was I needed to do it anyway. I just, I, I, I wasn't going to, I was so awake that I wasn't going to allow myself to fall back down. And they were very supportive. But at the same time, I realized, you know, I, my last books were all, all about the future of business or the future of industries or the future of, of technology. And, I didn't have the audience. I, I I didn't have the experience or the expertise to come out. Hey, hey, everybody, it's me, uh, your favorite guru on this subject. You know, all of this was breaking new ground. But I also realized that it was a journey beyond just putting the book together that I felt was the right journey to take. To say, look, we can all do this, and right, it, even just the exploits or the acts of creativity, whether it's big C creativity like writing a book or little C creativity like just. I don't know, drawing the worst possible stick figures you could imagine. <laughs> All of that actually fires your brain in better, more productive and, and happier ways. It also reminds you that, you know, happiness is actually inside of you right now. It's not It's not about when you're going to get something or that someone's going to validate you because you, you got 100 likes on, on something or that you have so many connections on whatever network it is. It's 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 actually giving yourself permission in the space to express yourself and to learn and unlearn and get get to levels of life that we're just letting fly by us too fast too often absolutely and you know i think that i mean it it's funny because you know you're saying like who was i to write this book but i i think that this is just such a relatable issue for for everybody this this surpasses um, expertise or, um, you know, where you're working. I mean, this is something that's affecting professionals. It's something that's affecting CEOs, creatives, artists, stay-at-home parents, teenagers. Like, this whole digital distraction thing, it, it, it's equal opportunity, you know? Well, one of, the, one of the experiments, I mean, you're so right on with this. One of the experiments was that, I mean, I, I'm – my my awareness and creativity going through this experience was so enlightened and enlivened that I started to look at every aspect of the world differently. So, for example, if I was affected by these things, what could I do in terms of the book to demonstrate new possibilities, not just in the language itself, but also the design of the book? So could I take the persuasive design techniques that were used to make apps more addictive? And for example, why, you know, if, if you're going to go through the endless scroll, as I call it, and just mindlessly scroll through mm -hmm. all of these feeds, could I, could I use those same techniques to make the productivity and also the experience of reading a book much more enjoyable and intuitive and also 
rewarding that you actually felt like you're, you you right. want to keep reading and that you could retain the information and not forget it. And so the, the answer is absolutely. So I started learning UI and UX design so that we could take those, those principles and apply them to paper. And I realized, well, you know, hey, why couldn't we take, why couldn't we go further and take these same, these same findings and insights and apply it to textbooks and help uh, and, and to curriculum and to help students learn in a way that's much more intuitive and natural to them rather than forcing them to go through all these analog standards of teachers that don't understand how students' brains work or parents who don't understand how uh, their kids' brains work. And so I think the, the possibilities here to take a negative and turn it into a positive and reimagine how we interact throughout life in general could be f fantastic with education and fantastic at home with parents and kids communicating and connecting better in every aspect of our life, especially in, in, in healthcare and, and in therapy and every, everybody who's in a position where they can help now arming them and empowering them with the things that of, of what these insights give us allow us to change things and be more productive and helpful moving forward. Yeah, there is so much potential there. There really is when we, you know, if, if we can harness it for good, there's a lot of potential. <laughs> I, I believe it. I'm so, I'm such a hopeless optimist. And <laughs> I feel like now that, now that I know what I know, I, I had a choice to either be depressed by it and, and just, just, you know, defeat it, I guess, or, or do something about it. And I, I, I want to do something about it. And I think it's one of the other reasons why I wrote the book too, is because I feel like I don't, I'm not alone in this. I don't want to be alone in this, but I, I can't do this alone either. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to, as much as I'd love to be the, you know, the Tony Robbins of this, um, I, I made a decision, a conscious decision that I wasn't going to just fix this. I was going to improve my relationships and be present in the areas that are are important to me now that I've I've defined what my my plans are and my mission right. and my purpose and my right. vision and so now you know in writing the book I'm also creating coaching and teaching materials that go along with it so that life scale becomes scaled through the experiences of others and we're all, that way we we all become stakeholders in this movement and it's all our movement and not you know, not just the, not just the author of this. It's 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 our. It becomes ours. Yeah, and it's needed. It really is so needed. I mean, you talked about your journal, and I, um, I wonder. I I can't wait to read more about that. The uh, my co-host and I, Sarah and I, um, we talked about this a number of times, and for a while, the two of us, um, put an app on our phone that counted the hours we were spending on mindless things, and it was it was sobering. You know, um, yeah. and, and and both of us were really we we both had a lot of I mean honestly we had a lot of shame about it. Um, what what have you found for yourself? Um, you know, aside from focusing on the more life affirming stuff, I mean, are there disciplines or practices that you've put into place to kind of you know manage and maintain control over your digital distractions? Well. It's, I, I realized that everything came down to a choice and because I was documenting all of these different things and how I was spending my time and how I wasn't spending my time, it, it really started to become, I really started to become disgusted with myself and that it, here it was right in front of me and yet I still couldn't break. I still couldn't break it. I still was, I still was having a hard time yeah. embracing all of these things and that's when I recognized that 
I I don't use this word lightly, but I also don't. I I, I also don't. I'll just say it. Yeah, you know, I realized that I was addicted, and the first step in any addiction program is kind of first the realization, but then the, a lot of it is. Uh, this is why the book is is more about the humanity of the solution rather than 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 throwing the blame anywhere. Right. And the humanity of the solution was there are reasons there are real human reasons why we do what we do even once we know it's not the best for us we still continue to do it. And That's right. I had to then understand what it was going to take to curb and eventually change my behaviors and my rituals and to make them at least for the most part, more productive. And to do that, the beginning of the book teaches what I call these productivity hacks so that you can learn how to focus for like 25-minute bursts without distraction uh, to begin with. And then I kept a journal for that too. How many times did it take me to be able to reach 25 minutes? The first time I tried it, I think I hit three minutes before I reached for my phone mindlessly. I, there was not even a notification. I just, you know, the muscle memory just reached for the oh, phone. Yeah. So teaching yourself the ability to break bad habits, to monotask for 25 minutes, to reward yourself at the end of that 25 minutes, to find little, little areas to celebrate, you do start to build the skill sets that then allow you to then grow and learn and change how you're spending your time because you're much more mindful and aware. And also, you know, you're building the expertise and the, and the rigor to, to be able to do those things. And it's, 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 it's not unlike a diet or like saving money, you know, it takes work, it's practice. And, and a sure. lot of us, a lot of us, it's so easy to fall into bad habits again. Like, so for example, Hey, I did really good on my diet all week. I'm going to go, uh, and, and binge eat, uh, mm -hmm. or, or binge spend. Right. And then we're kind of right in the back, back into the same bad habits. So it's, it's about really building that strength, but also why do we slip, you know, getting to the spiritual and the, and the subconscious, reasons why we do what we do and building that rigor too and i, I it, there was no easy path but it was a path you feel better for all the all the right reasons yeah for the right reasons so, and, and you feel and, and you feel better in a deeper way you know it's it's that contentment kind of happiness as a, as opposed to a momentary bump <laughs> it's so true <laughs> It's so true, and I think ultimately what it what it taught me was, uh, and there was a lot of you know great great uh, forms of inspiration along the way. But one one of them, as I got stronger, was a book called Deep Work by Cal Newton, and ironically, he has a book called uh, Digital uh, Minimalism now. Yeah, uh, that's right. But, but he was never a big digital social media user, and he used to talk about that in his previous work, but. You know, for somebody like me who this is my life, you know, I needed to learn how to structure my life around deep work. Uh, and so some, some of the tricks were once you build up the ability to focus for a time, like say it's 25-minute bursts, and you do that, you know, consistently three, four, or five times in a row, you know, you structure your days differently. You know, your brain is freshest in the morning. Your your brain is literally largest in the morning. It's It has all of the nutrients you need to be able to take on the day. And uh, you structure the deeper things up front and you schedule things like meetings and email time and all of that stuff later when, when you can expend, you know, you've already expended your, your best energy. Uh, and now you can apply yourself differently. You could multitask differently, you know, you could, but at least you're in control of how you're producing and how you're navigating your day. 
That's good. Well, Brian, last question for you. We ask this of all of our guests. We ask you to give us two thumbs up on on two things that help you in your personal self-care practice. This could be anything. It could be serious. It could be random. It could be a TV show. It could be a book. It could be a candle. It could be a face cream. Um, What are two things that really help you in your own self-care practice? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm beaming with, 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 with all kinds of things. I'll tell you that, uh, Spending, spending time reading uh, my girls' uh, nighttime stories was actually really cathartic for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure they love it and all, but it was um, it it just it it just made me be in the moment in a way that I I had sort of glossed over. That 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 was one of the the little things, and the other thing is. Uh, um, Watching, uh, I mean, look. There's a, the book is chock full of, of other things that uh, that are that are help that are helpful. But you know, spending time watching things like The Bachelor with my wife, she loves that show. <laughs> oh my gosh, so do I. Guilty <laughs> pleasure, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and The Bachelorette is starting soon. And yes, and, it uh, is. <laughs> not, these aren't things that I, I I personally take value out of, uh, but I love I love that time with her, and I love having that that connection with her and something that's so important to her. And, and that also allowed me to forge connections in ways that I, I had probably overlooked before. And then yeah. those two things allowed me to really start just being more observant uh, in, in all aspects of my life. I love it. Well, and it's like those two things too seem like examples of you taking an interest in the things that, you know, your loved ones are interested in, like kind of joining them in the things that they love. I, that. I could have said it better myself. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, I just appreciate your book so much. Um, I truly think that LifeScale is a movement that we all need to get on board with. Um, LifeScale is now available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Where can people find you online, Brian? There's two places. One is the the community itself, which is lifescaling.me. For me, uh, as an individual, I... Everything stems from BrianSolis.com or at Brian Solis across the networks. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care. Take care.